Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais. Hello and welcome to another episode of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed, and today we're going to be talking about PSG. We're going to be recording an episode, I think, for the first time with PSG down in the the basement of League On in 15th place. Uh, it's been a rough start to the season, and joining me to talk about everything that's happened on the pitch and off the pitch, we have James and Matt. So let's get the pleasantries out of the way before we dive into everything. James, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's been a while. It has, been yeah. On the podcast, but uh, <laughs> I've returned in the midst of chaos. And Matt, how are you over there in the I, UK? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, uh, also ready to uh, join the agent of chaos in this uh, discussion of PSG's recent troubles. Yeah, it's been kind of nuts since last month we were in the Champions League final. Everyone was optimistic about this team. We lost to Bayern Munich, obviously. We thought, okay, let's build you know, towards next season. And then we start with the 1-0 loss to uh, Lons and then uh, the 1-0 loss to Marseille. And so we won't need to go you know, game by game, really. But overall, looking at those first two losses of the season, um, how concerned are you with those two losses? We did rebound against Mets with that last second goal from Draxler. But James, overall, I mean, is this kind of what you expected to start the season, a little bit of a slow start, or is this indicative of something more going on under the under the uh, scenes here? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, you have to look at both sides of it, right? Because I, I don't think it's a, a one or the other situation. Uh, I tweeted something a few weeks ago where I said that you might see um, this Champions League kind of hangover uh, just as a result of coming out of what was one of the greatest title runs that you know this club has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And the best clubs have the ability to kind of snap back into focus and get themselves back on track and get right into the next season. I understand that COVID plays a very uh, significant role in this year. Um, as well as this season. And so you're dealing with that and the ramifications of it. You know, there were quite a few players that wanted to take some time off after, you know, a well-deserved run, but as a result, did things the wrong way. And a bunch of players ended up with COVID. I think like half the team, right? like half the starters or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so you're dealing with the effects of coming out of this Champions League season, going on this unprecedented run, and now having to jump back into the league when you've literally lost your captain. You know, you've lost one of the best stars that you have in Kylian Mbappe as a result of COVID. Um, and then things start to just snowball. I'm sure we'll get to, from a, a managerial and personnel perspective, what's going on. But just in totality, I kind of expected this. Uh, I think the stuff with Marseille we'll, we'll get into as well. But that's a, that's a different circumstance from... A bird's eye view, I kind of expected this, um, but the real question, I think, is how do you then recover? That's a good point. How do we recover, Matt? Were you uh, kind of expecting this, or are you a little bit 
more concerned about this slow start? Uh, I mean, I'd say that I'm kind of quite relaxed about it as well. I mean, not it's not ideal, is it? I think the problem with PSG is that it's always the tendency is always to lurch from like one extreme to the other. So like we're we're amazing one week when we make the Champions League final and everything's looking up, and then suddenly two defeats and like maybe the manager needs to be fired and everything's doom and gloom and blah blah. So I think like you saw at the end of the Mets game that they're the squad are out on their feet like for various reasons like obviously like James was just saying and um I don't know I just think it's kind of normal to have a bit of a bit of a hangover it's it's such an unusual situation I don't think we can expect too much of them so I I am disappointed I think like particularly particularly the sort of the first game the longs game was just a bit of a damp squib I think we can get into obviously the details of it but I think at the weekend it wasn't Obviously, it's annoying to lose to them, but I don't think it was the end of the world the way the actual game went. And then uh, the the one on midweek, I mean, I, I just think it was a bit of a nothing game as well. So I think it's always likely to take a bit of a while to get back into the rhythm of things. It's just such an unusual situation. So we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. But I think it's a bit early to press the panic button just yet. So no one was concerned in, um, what is it, one, two, three, if you go back to the Bayern Munich game, four games total, one goal scored, no one's uh, too concerned about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so in, in, in terms of, of that being an issue, um, I guess my, my resolve around this team is that the problems that we knew were problems were the same problems that you know we had before we made the Champions League run which were issues with fullbacks, issues with the midfield, reliance on superstars. And we've exceeded expectations, and those issues got pushed to the back burner until we ran into a wall, which is Bayern Munich. And they literally exposed us. Um, and then those issues began to bubble up to the surface. Like, if we won the Champions League, I don't know that we're having a conversation as dire as it's been in the PSG landscape around the things that we need to do. Do we need to get rid of the manager? What needs to transpire? We would all be reveling in this, you know, dreamscape, you know, finally achieving that, that final pillar in this whole narrative. But because we didn't win, all of those things come to the surface and rightfully so. Uh, and so we just have to put everything into context. The problems that we've had already have been the problems that we've been seeing for the last few seasons. Good point, Matt. The lack of goals, um, you know, the results yeah. are what it are. But I mean, on the pitch, it doesn't seem to be clicking. Is is there any concern over the lack of goals? I mean, this season Draxler is the only one who scored. I don't think you want Draxler being yeah. the leading scorer if you have any <laughs> ambitions of doing anything in, in any given year. Well, I mean, especially as Leonardo, I assume, is uh, you know on WhatsApp right now, like uh, with a big picture of Draxler with a for sale sign around his neck, trying to uh, you know sending it to all his contacts uh, so uh, yes yeah, not a healthy situation I mean it's not ideal is it uh, either no, but again I think it just it feels like it's just been such a fragmented sort of transition between last season and this year there were barely a break at all was there and I think that once they get back into a more normal rhythm of things I think that Champions League was such an unusual situation because of the sort of mini tournament the, the get my words out mini tournament format of it so I think when we're in that, it's literally just about winning the next game and not worrying too much about the quality of performance, right? It was just, you know, the, the thing was getting to the final or trying to win it. 
now it's back to Liga, it's back to the sort of the more rhythmic sort of uh, league and cup sort of situation. And I think the players just need to get back. They need to sort of just get back into find their rhythm. And I think the goals will come. I think it's not a, again, I think the players we've got in our squad, the, what they've shown, how they've shown they can perform in the past. I think the ridiculous amount of goals they scored last season, I mean, it's just normal to have these little dips. You just have to sort of try and not get too caught up in these sort of results of it, I think, because I I think that if we were sort of, if we were firing on all cylinders, if we were sort of, if we'd been playing well, if we'd had a, a sort of nice rhythm of games and we'd had the same team week after week, I think in that Marseille game, certainly we created enough chances that normally at least one of them would have gone in. So I'm not too worried. Obviously it is a concern and you do want it to turn around, but I think there's still time to do that in the still early days. Uh, it's a long time since that 9-0 win over Lahav yeah. uh, back in July yes. when we had that friendly. would love yeah. to see nine uh, goals scored. But, yeah. you know, the, the game you kind of mentioned against Lons was kind of, you know, first game of the season, a lot of players out with COVID. We could kind of breeze over that. If anyone, if there's anything out of the game you guys want to talk about, but really everyone wants to hear about the Marseille match and what happened in there. I mean, this was a game, you had five red cards, what was it, like 10 yellow cards. You know, talk a little bit about, let's just start with the, the referee, Jerome Broussard. You know, is, does, does the French League have an issue with officials? We've seen other games where they're just throwing players out left and right. Um, is there an issue with the officials? And does PSG bear some of the blame here, getting into a fight, not keeping a cool head? Um, we can go with James. Anything to say about just the, the rough nature of that game? I mean, it was kind of what you expected with a rival, but, I mean, that kind of went... Yeah overboard to like rugby american football level i mean it was really not a, a it wasn't a football game that i was used to watching it was really ugly yeah it was all over the place you know it got to the point where like no one was playing football right they were out trying to harm each other and i think as, as soon as paredes came in the game i said oh he's going to go and hurt someone because that is his job his job is to protect neymar and then, like, somewhere down the line, play some semblance of football. Um, but he's the enforcer. And when I saw his introduction to the game, I already knew what time it was. And he, he might have been in the game for, like, three minutes before he got a card. Uh, so he did his job. But in, in all seriousness, you know, I kind of expect a very aggressive and rough game as it pertains to uh, the rivalry between these two clubs. Um, but where it kind of spills over is like everything that, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to um, where I have a problem. Right. Um, and that also includes the, the ref. Um, and I think Leonardo even mentioned, you know, this game is too important for a young ref to be um, officiating. And I, and I agree. Um, but we have seen uh, refereeing in league um, being an issue um, for some time now. I think as much as we love our new right back, he was almost, you know, introduced in almost trial by fire where he experienced the roughness and the full contact that is known as Legon. And you could almost see in his face um, after he didn't get a few calls that he was kind of like, holy cow. OK, this is how they play here. Um, and it's something that is a concern because you have players who are superstars like Mbappe, where. You know, you kind of have to rationalize in your brain, like, how long are they going to take this level of 
contact and abuse. And this is something that Neymar had to learn and then refine in his game because he is a very flair player. And that doesn't fly in this league. Um, And, you know, the players on the opposite team don't like it, nor do the refs, nor do the, you know, officials. Um, And it is something that has kind of held this league back is that they do not protect their superstars at all, like at all. And that's why everyone ends up leaving. And so it is something that we have to take into context. Like the refs can only do but so much, but they're empowered by someone larger. And sometimes we point our ire at the people on the field, but it's really the people in the stands who call the shots. And that's something that, you know, translates as in terms of the play on the field, but also how the game is called. And we saw that rear its head in what happened between Neymar um, and Alvaro Gonzalez as well. Right. Yeah, those are all great points. And and Matt, this isn't anything new. I mean, if you go back years ago with Slatan, you know, does France not deserve PSG? Yeah, yeah. Good old Slatan. Yeah, we should come back. He should just for, just for a little while. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I know it's um it's a bit of a tricky one. I have to say, like, because I come from sort of more of an English football tradition where there's it's a bit more. I watch a lot of lower league football, and it's a bit more sort of agricultural there's a bit more um sort of uh of the sort of stuff that we saw on sunday night so i don't mind it too much i kind of think it's part and parcel of a big rivalry that you have that needle and commentators will say oh we don't like to see this sort of thing but i actually do quite like to see it i think that obviously not the whole neymar um racism incident which was obviously quite horrible and i'm sure we'll come on to that in a minute and i think it went a bit far and I see what Leonardo means about the referee, but at the same time, I mean, it's not like there's loads of great referees in France, is it? Let's be honest, because he was like, oh, maybe they should have put Turpin in charge instead. And I'm like, well, but he's terrible as well. Like, he's like, I mean, he's got a bit better recently, but like, we've had loads of horror shows with him in the past. So that's just one of the, I, I don't really like to talk about referees too much because I think you just have to play the situation you're in. And I think if we're going to be get serious about it, I think that uh, the PSG players need to rise above it a bit I think you saw we'll talk uh, I think Neymar possibly hadn't mitigated circumstances but I think a lot of the others just got sucked into it I think VS Boas has set his Marseille team up to do this against us before where they just try and basically fight us all the time and so we knew what was coming and you just have to try and rise above it but I think they all get a bit caught up in the sort of derby atmosphere even though there wasn't much for crowding and they sort of uh, get a bit carried away so it was a bit unfortunate because I think ultimately it suited Marseille to play that game where it was you know it was very disjointed very niggly very stop start because they wanted to spoil it they wanted to keep it nil nil and maybe get a goal like they did and um, and then cling on to that whereas we probably would have been better served to stay calm rise above it and try and like play our normal game but it didn't, didn't really turn out like that did it yeah, they definitely, I mean, they already kind of had an advantage. Mbappe wasn't on the pitch, and then, you know, you get under their skin a little bit, you play more aggressive, and that's how, especially with the other French teams, that's how you beat PSG. You know, the the catalyst for a lot of what we saw there in stoppage time with, you know, five red cards and people being sent off was the whole incident with Neymar, um, with Alvaro Gonzalez, where Neymar accused him of, of, you know, racially abusing him. And so that's where I want to go next. And... You know, when it happened, Neymar, you could tell in his face, he heard something. He was like, what did you say? What did you say? And then he went and told the fourth official and nothing happened, really. I mean, they just kept playing on and you could just see it 
from that incident, it was just bubbling the whole time. And so, you know, Neymar ended up smacking him in the back of the head and he got two games and I guess there's an investigation to see, but, you know, people have been pouring over footage to see, you know, almost like the Zapruder film, trying to see, did he say this? Can you read his lips? And uh, James, I want to ask you, what is your assessment of that whole situation? You know, yeah. what should be done if there is no evidence to be found? Do you think Gonzalez can and should be punished at all? Um, so, you know, I, I think mulling over footage of what someone said um, while we might look at that and say, well, they just want to get to the bottom of what happened and get all the facts. That's not necessarily the case because it could swing the other way where, you know, trying to find something could also lead to them saying, well, Neymar did this. So the two things cancel each other out. So don't worry about it. Nobody's at fault. Um, And so I'm kind of leery about checking the footage. Uh, Additionally, I think the president of French football said something like, oh, there's no racism in our league. So, you know, you're 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 inside of a system where the top point person has this belief. And so do you have to wonder how or why the players would stoop to those kinds of levels to gain a psychological edge in someone's brain? You know, I, I look at the Neymar situation. Anybody black that saw that kind of situation, like Neymar's at work. And you know, if you are black and you are at work, there is a certain decorum that you need to have in those types of situations where you might just want to go and knock that person out. You can't do that. And Neymar knew that, which is why the moment he heard it, he approached him and asked, what did you say? And immediately made a beeline to an official. He had the wherewithal to do that, as many of us would have done the same thing in that situation. That's how I know the guy said something, because your natural response in that situation in any other time is to knock that person out for saying something that disrespectful to you. And the fact that Alvaro was empowered to do so and knew that he could get away with it. You know, you can say like, oh, well, we don't know if he's racist. He's certainly not making a good case for him not being racist. Like, that's almost like if you're on trial for murder and someone accuses you of it, you're going to do anything and everything that you can to prove that you are not so. He's not done that. He's kind of like, oh, I have black friends. Like, oh, I didn't really say anything. Like, you're not making a case for yourself. And why is this person who is a global superstar whose livelihood could be put on the line by retaliating the way that he probably felt like he should, why would he put that on the line for something that he may have heard you say? We're aware of what he said. There's no you know, investigation that needs to happen. The question is, how does a league that is supposed to be this multicultural organization with all of these people from different walks of life, race, creeds, religions, etc., How do you then allow something like this to occur where someone can even feel inclined to say something like that? Right. Like we're not even talking about the punishment. How could someone feel like they are protected in in this environment in order to say something like that? Oh, because he knows that nothing's going to happen, which nothing happened, which then, uh, you know, prompted Neymar to then smack him upside the head because. I've done the thing that I'm supposed to do, right? I heard something said to me. It was insulting. I went to the officials. They did absolutely nothing. Okay, well, now it's out of my hands. 
Because as a man, I cannot allow you to disrespect me at my place of business and say something that derogatory towards me. And so because of how beloved Neymar is in that locker room, yeah, everybody's fighting. Everyone's getting a red card, which is understood. And so I, you know, I look at it from I take a step back and look at it from a sports, you know, and professionalism perspective of, oh, man, everyone, don't, don't let them get into your head. Just focus on the game and beat them that way. But at the same time, if the game itself is not protecting the players again, then the players are forced to take matters into their own hands. I'm very sure that Neymar already knew no one's going to do anything. And so I'm willing to take that two-game suspension because you're going to have to respect me as a peer and as a professional. And saying things like that, it's not going to fly because you wouldn't say that to me on the street. And so don't say it to me in that professional workspace. Yeah, that's very well said. And, you know, like you were saying, the protection thing, it's bad enough if you don't protect him on the pitch. Now you're not protecting him when he's racially abused. You can see his reaction. I don't think there's any doubt um, that that yeah. something was said to him. I mean, he reacted immediately. For sure. You know, For I, sure. me personally, I would have loved if he just hauled off and just smacked him right in the you know, punched him right in the face. I also am a big fan of Neymar getting all his teammates and saying, we're walking off the pitch until something's done, you know. Villas Boas take your player off or, or we're forfeiting the game or something. You know, football can't go on with that kind of stuff, and we see it far too often in, in leagues across Europe. So um, it's really unfor- or unfortunate. But, um, Matt, what is your assessment of, of what happened and what do you think should be done? I mean, it's kind of unfair that Neymar's going to be suspended for two games and Alvaro may not get anything, you know, if, if they can't prove what Neymar's saying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I don't have much to add to what uh, James said, though. I think that was excellently put. Uh, I think that the most depressing thing of the whole, which you touched on as well, just the depressing comments of Nola Rat, or however you pronounce yeah. it, just just dreadful. Like, there's no racism in football. I mean, what's that? I mean, that, you know, what world is that man in? Like, there is, there's obvious, like, racism in football. There's racism in wider society. I mean, France there's fairly overt racism in wider society in my experience like and just to come out with something like so sort of trite and obviously nonsense in the wake of like a really serious incident which is probably indicative of why the guy feels sort of empowered to to use that kind of slur as a, a way to get inside his opponent's head right so i just the whole situation is just a bit it's just a bit depressing and i don't really know what you do about it to be honest apart from like you said maybe you need to see the the players take it into their own hands and maybe be a bit it's very difficult i know but to to say right we're not gonna you know we're gonna walk off or we're gonna sit down or we're gonna do something and you know take some kind of direct action until until this is sort of resolved effectively but i don't think i think pouring over the footage is a bit of a they want to hide into nothing there i mean i think it's unlikely you're going to get definitive proof yeah. we've seen this in a lot of cases in the premier league in the past where they've done these sort of trial by video and you know, sometimes they get found guilty, sometimes they don't. And when they do, the, the guilty price was like, oh, no, I didn't say it. it's not conclusive and blah, blah, blah. And I think it will it will just degenerate into that he said, he said, you know, and people will believe who they want to believe, unfortunately. So I don't know what will happen to, to the guy, uh, but I think it was fairly obvious. I think Neymar, to be fair to him, sort of seemed to deal with it the right way. But yeah. like you were saying, approaching the officials first and when 
I think got done about it. He sort of had to take it into his own hands. He didn't really have a choice to. He see, did. But, he did tweet afterwards. Yeah. He was like, I, you know, VAR can catch everything, but him saying that, yeah. he's like, my only regret is not yeah. punching him in the face or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> and what's yeah. interesting is is yeah. Neymar is the most criticized player in the world. I mean, they talk about his mama, they talk about his sister, they talk about his dad, and he just it doesn't bother him. He just keeps it moving. Eats it. And and when so that's why I'm like inclined to believe that that what he said, Alvaro said, is exactly what was said to him. Because he, like, lost his mind. Like, that is clearly his trigger. We all have something that if someone says something to us, that's it. We're not asking questions. Like, that's it. We're going. And, and clearly that, that Neymar was triggered by whatever Alvaro said. And, and also, I mean, I saw on Twitter someone posted an image, I guess, when he was back in, um, in the Spanish League where he was, like, you know, making fun of Messi's height or something like that. So I also feel like he's a little bit of an agitator, um, and I feel like it's something he would say to get under Neymar's skin. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had, I mean, if he did, okay. So in the hypothetical sense, he didn't say it. Why are you not going out of your way to clarify and explain to Neymar on the pitch? What happened? If he didn't say it, I wouldn't want to be accused of being a racist. Why wouldn't you go out of your way to approach the ref? Hey, I didn't say it. This is what I meant. I'm sorry. You know how players do. Let me give you a hug. I apologize. He did none of that. What did you think of that picture he posted where he got all of his friends on the team to take a picture? I mean, was that – that just seems like something somebody would do who's guilty. That's That's, what they would do to try to cover their tracks. It's also like classic racist behavior, isn't it? It's like, I can't be a racist. I've got loads of black no, friends. Look at them all standing next to me. Yeah. It's like, and also it was quite, I think it's probably quite instructive that he didn't even say that he didn't do it in that message that he was just like, blah, blah, racism's wrong, blah, blah. Look, here's all my teammates who love me. And it's like, well, that's not a denial, mate. That's a non-denial denial. And he also said that out. Neymar was basically just mad because he lost. And it's like, Neymar just lost the Champions League final. He's lost in the World Cup. Like, he's lost bigger games against you know, yeah. Marseille in September. He's not upset about, <laughs> he's not upset about the Le Classique. No. <laughs> like, no. no. He's not. You know when that. he's upset. He's, there's tears flowing. Mm-hmm. He's to himself. And even in those moments, he's on a boat the next week with his friends, like nothing happened. The fact that he can turn it on and turn it off like that, I still don't comprehend. But that's what the best players in the world do. So no, he's not upset about you random person from Marseille. I've literally never heard of the guy before all of this, so that should tell you something about him. But let's keep it moving. I do want to talk about the Mets game, the only win of the season. Um, the, 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 one of the, other than the win in Dractor's goal, the big talking point in this one was, you know, Juan Bernat goes down with a pretty significant knee injury. It's probably going to keep him out months. It's a ACL. We, we still don't really know, but... You know, at the left back, that leaves uh, Kurzawa, who signed that extension to 2024, <sighs> I believe, and Mitchell Bakker, and I guess Abdu Diallo can play in there. But do any of those players really give you a whole lot of confidence? Uh, Matt, do you think uh, left back is some some uh, position Leonardo needs to address? Well, I mean, now, yes, maybe. I mean, <laughs> well, first of all, we're not going to see Kurzawa again for a while, are we? Because he's got, what, six or seven game ban or something. So... Uh, that's like a quarter of the season gone nearly. So that's at least one good thing came out of Sunday's game because I'm not a fan, as we've discussed before. Uh, I mean, I think it's a good chance for Backer to sort of prove himself. I think we saw in the 
sort of uh, warm-up games before the Champions League that he's got something about him. But at the same time, it's a lot to ask of him to play every game for PSG this season. So, yeah, I guess um, Leonardo's probably going to have to think a bit creatively about what he's going to do in that situation because I don't think we've got a lot of money to spend, have we? And also there's other things in the squad that really... I mean, we've got the right back hopefully sorted. It was a good debut from uh, Florenzi. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, ideally, you wouldn't want to be getting a third senior left back in when you've got a young one in back of her as well. So I don't wonder if there's a loan deal to be done somewhere. But I think the chances of us spending big on a left back are probably quite slim because there doesn't seem to be that much money in general floating around. Yeah, that's something you don't hear too often. PSG and not too much money yeah. to spend. Uh, there was a rumour, um, Alex Tellez... Um, Oh, yeah, Manchester again, United's yeah. interested and they've apparently agreed to personal terms but who knows, you know, maybe 20 million but no one really knows what PSG has to spend. I mean obviously like other clubs they were affected by the coronavirus and you know you, you do have Neymar and Mbappe's wages but you also had Cavani and Silva's wages go off the book so who knows how all the finances work. I'm not I'm not that smart but James um, what do you think about that left back position are you, are you kind of keen on Bakker and Diallo can they float the boat for a little while if, until Bernat gets back and even if Bernat gets back is he going to be his normal self is he going to be a little shy to really go 100% is he going to lose a step you know what do you think about the left back yeah. position I just started staring into space thinking about all of this <laughs> like <laughs> you can't win you know like you we Three weeks ago, we were discussing the fact that we were a few pieces away from putting it all together, very reminiscent of Liverpool. They lost in the Champions League final, come back the next year, boom, they're right there. Looking at how Bayern's constructed their team, hey, is there an opportunity for us to try to go after some French talent? We know the relationship with the French League and PSG versus the Bundesliga and Bayern, so we can't really draw comparisons there, but we're flowing some names around. It's good vibes. Ed's feeling good. Everyone's kind of like hype. There's great energy. And then this happens, right? Um, you know, I think the Krizawa extension might have been too soon um and it was for too many years you know he's gone for six games i think Bernat. i read that maybe we're looking at six months so that brings us around march so if we're still in the champions league he'd be right on time to come back but then you're talking about jumping right back into a high pressure situation um i think from what i've seen from bakker he's really tall and strong can pass he's pretty good but you know putting that kind of pressure on him like i i have to agree putting that kind of pressure on him so soon i don't know if he you know holds up and in diallo i haven't seen enough of a consistent um level of play to to make a decision there you know i don't know i i'm gonna have to start judging this team you know once we get to the group stage of of champions league because there's there's just not a consistent formation or you know roster of players right now we also don't know what can i you know read a report that perhaps uh, someone from a left back out of uh chelsea might be in, in play maybe someone from juventus 
there's a lot of speculation going around. I think for right now, you know, just to get through these next bit of games, Bakker is going to have to be the guy. And let's see what he does. You know, he might surprise us like Wamber not surprised us in that same position. We happen to have a bit of luck when it comes to that position. Uh, the coronavirus has also done a number on, you know, finances and wages. We still have not figured out that midfield, which is it's a blind spot. You know, it's 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 crippling us. Um, and so we'll, we'll see. But I'm not sold on Krizawa. Definitely not sold on Diallo yet. Um, Baca's going to have to be the guy. I, I read a report that Leonardo said, I'm not going to um, buy anyone, you know, for that left back position. So we can rule that out. And I, I kind of agree with him just because there's other places where we need to plug holes. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, you have to sometimes you have to get out of this mindset that you always have to buy a player to solve a problem in the squad. Do you know what I mean? Those young players are there for a reason. Uh, like guys like Backer, he's been around for he's been with us for what like a year, eighteen months, I think now, and um, obviously had time to develop and train with the squad. And now he's got six games with Kasara out to potentially make the left back spot his own and show why he why he sort of deserves to you know keep it while Burnett's out, sort of thing. So I think. I think it's a shame that it's going to have to come at this time where the team's not in good form and, you know, there's other problems, which, you know, is never a good situation to throw a young player into. But you do sometimes just have to trust them and see how they get on. And it's not, we've got some evidence that he could do a good job for us. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he can do and um, whether he can make a spot his own. My only concern is that I feel like we've got the wrong kind, at least left back. I mean, Bakker's like a big, strong guy, almost like a center back. He's not, you know, look at Bayern Munich with, you know, Davies and, and Alba and all their players who are much faster. And we've got these big, hulking, slow fullbacks. And, you know, Florenzi did look good. We can talk a little bit about that if you guys want to. But, like, Diallo and Bakker just are not what you see in this modern game of football with these, you know, pacey fullbacks and getting forward and tracking back and being able to do everything. These guys are very much like your typical, probably Matt, what you see in your lower leagues in England, you probably see a lot of these kinds of players. So yeah. 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 Hoofing it down the touchline, looking for (laughs) maybe winning a throw on or something. Yeah. Good old days. The best you can hope, the best you can hope for usually at Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, these, these positions left back right back i mean that's everyone's looking for an alfonso davies everybody's looking for players like that and they're just not out there and if they are available they're 80 million or something crazy and like you said we just can't afford that right now so we may just have to go forward until you know an opportunity presents itself so talk um james a little bit about florenzi um in the match against uh marseille i mean he was pretty much the only bright spot (laughs) Woo! yeah finally finally i think he did great um, in spite of trial by fire. Um, I think we just kind of threw him in there and he survived, which is a good sign. Um, I was kind of like on the fence. I'm like, all right, he's fine. He's pretty good. Uh, and then he swung a ball into the box and I'm like, oh, okay, that's going to go. That's going to go out. Um, but he swung the ball into the box and it landed right in front of Neymar, like on the nose. And then the sun, like, opened up. It was, like, rays of light coming down. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, this is what that feels like. I think he's done great. You know, obviously, that's one. That's a one-game sample size. But the fact that he could 
do it. And he was confident. Um, and he, he displayed with this assuredness that, you know, when, when you look at the job that Kara did in the Champions League, you know, halfway through the match, he looked like a deer in headlights. And I understand that's not his fault. He's playing out of position. Um, but there's just something to be said about not having to worry about a side of the pitch because you know you have a lockdown defender that can also put a ball into the box if need be. And that's all we're asking. Um, I think someone said a long time ago on the podcast that, you know, you don't need 11 superstars to win Champions League. That's not a requirement. You just need a few and guys that are really good at what they do. And I think with Florenzi, we might have somebody who's just pretty good at what he does. And that's just enough, especially to compliment someone like a Juan Bernat, who's really good. It's just enough. And that might just be what it is that we need while everyone else is, you know, kind of a superstar. Now, for the midfield, you might need somebody that's a little good. You know, you might need someone. But for that fullback position, we just need somebody to put a ball in the box. And Mbappe can go get it. Neymar can go get it. Yeah. Um, Cardi, but it yeah. felt good. Yeah, yeah. But it, it felt great to just see someone that competent, you know, on the first touch. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. And then, Matt, you know, we're talking about finances and what's available. I believe for Lorenzi's deal is a, a loan with an option to buy from Roma. So, and right back is a position that we definitely need. I mean, it's it's a position I think every supporter is like, we need to sign one care, cannot get it done. We saw that against Bayern Munich. So this is a position that is of need. And we get a guy on loan from Roma. So yeah. tell me what you thought about Florenzi and, you know, yeah. maybe be realistic with, with fans. We may not be seeing a Milinkovic Savage or a player like that, 80, 100 million. It, it just might not happen. Yeah. It seems like it, seems like it doesn't it? Which is a, a bit of a shame given our sort of uh, our midfield options are sort of dicey at best. But um, yeah, Florenzi, uh, not a guy I knew much about, to be honest, before uh, we signed him. Uh, in fact, I'd go so far as to say I'd literally never heard of him before I was like oh PSG signed this guy tomorrow on loan I was like okay um but he yeah I was pleasantly surprised for he looked really good um obviously he was you know one of the main players for Roma who have been quite good in Serie A in recent years so one can only assume that there's a reason for that and I think we saw the qualities he can bring getting up and down the touch lines good crossing and um really giving us an extra dimension and I think particularly like you say if um if we're going to have backer on the other side who's maybe not as dynamic and is a bit more of a stopper, then you need someone who can be a bit more adventurous, who can stretch the play a bit, and maybe he can be that guy for us on the right. But certainly um, a difficult game to come into. Again, and a team which is not, you know, which is not firing on all cylinders and is not necessarily the lineup Tuchel would have wanted to to field. But I thought he equipped himself well, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll sort of have plenty more to uh, to come from him. I think I really liked as well. He went in for a nice crunching tackle quite early on, which I think is always a good way to uh, introduce yourself to a new team and uh, win over some supporters in the in the derby match. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, there. Lucas Hernandez is a player. There's been some rumblings about him from Bayern Munich. He apparently wants more playing time. Wants to get out of there. I think that would be an amazing signing. He's the you know versatile. He can play left back, center back. I, it's, I guess it's just what does Leonardo, what kind of money does he have to spend? Where does he feel that like he needs to spend that? And uh, does anyone know when, how late the window is open? Just now that everything changes, is it like October sometimes? So I think we've got plenty of time yeah. to sort it all out. But 
Leonardo's going to be a, a busy man. So the last topic I wanted to bring up with you guys is, you know, we've got, you know, Nice on the 20th, Reem on the 27th, Anger, you know, some winnable games here, but we, we also thought that, you know, <laughs> Marseille was winnable. But what needs to change? A lot of fans, you guys are on social media. They're calling for Tuchel. Leonardo didn't hire him. Is is Tuchel the problem? Is this just a layover? Um, James, what do you think? Is, is it time for the, the manager to go? Is it time for a fresh voice in the locker room? Hey, man, I said, <laughs> by the t- if things keep going the way that they are, by the time Tuchel is recovered from his injury, he'll be looking for a new job. Um, you know, <laughs> I... I go back and forth about this guy. You know, I think that Tuchel is someone who got PSG to where they needed to be. But I question if he's the guy to get PSG to where they need to go. And those are two different missions. Um, you know, I kind of feel like he, he can only he can only manage who's available to play. Um, and so that's that's a thing. But I also I think we can definitively say now that he is a defensive minded coach who just happens to have world class attacking superstars. Um, and because when he doesn't have them on the pitch, like, you know, we're not doing much. So with that being said, I think you you kind of have to look elsewhere and soon because there are decisions that are going to be made. Um, very soon there's rumors about Mbappe trying to leave, but those are always rumors about him trying to leave. There's, you know, this disjointedness that you see within the players. Um, and who is going to be the person to step up and get you a goal when Neymar is injured or when Mbappe is on, on the bench, who's going to be the person that's going to do it. And, We've had these conversations numerous times about possibilities. Um, I think, you know, I've read today something about like Pochettino saying like, hey, I'm I'm not <laughs> like I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm not going to PSG. That's false. Um, and so you you probably have to to look elsewhere in order to achieve your goal. I just don't think that Tuchel is the guy. And you know, I think he's hit his ceiling and I think we're seeing the results of that. Even with his like post game commentary of like, oh well, <laughs> we had a bunch of chances. If we would just put those chances in, it would have been great. It's like, yeah, if you put the ball into the hoop, then you score. Like, duh. But what's the tactic behind that? Like, how do you actually go about achieving it? Is the goal and playing a counter attacking football where you're relying heavily on your defense and then you boot it up the field to Mbappe and hope that he does something is not a winning strategy. I even have a problem with Mbappe doing that as skilled as he is. He doesn't need to be all force and all power at all times. There needs to be a level of skill there. And I think bringing in a different manager will allow him to achieve that next level in his ability where we can place him with Messi and Ronaldo. Um, So I just think it might be time for a changing of the guard. And that's not a a knock on Tuchel. I just don't think that he has the acumen to do what Bayern did, right? Which is like nuts. 
Um, kudos to him. We faced Byron. We didn't die. It was one goal. But they had a lot of chances, which is really scary. But I just don't think that I'm seeing what I need to see from him as a manager in order to push this team to that next level, especially with the departure of the captain of Tiago Silva and being that voice in that locker room. I don't know that there's a voice there, and I don't know that he's the manager to bring everyone together. That's a good point. And we saw with Bayern Munich, they fired their manager, bringing a new guy in. They win the Champions League. Is it that easy, Matt? Is it Just yeah. change the manager and win the Champions <laughs> League is ours. Football literally is that easy. So we should just do that. We should fire <laughs> fire Tuchel. I don't know who Tuchel's assistant is, but make one of those manager and it will just be like, we'll just win everything. I think it's uh, Neymar, actually. I, I think he's the assistant. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, Neymar player manager. I would love that. We should do that just for a laugh. We'll get Zlatan back. You know, I just said I wanted Zlatan back. Zlatan player manager. Can you imagine? Mbappe, Zlatan, Neymar. I, I always thought Matt Tweedy would be a good coach, but he's over here in America, Inter-Miami. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he'll be feeding Higuain in the literal <laughs> sense and in the football sense. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, so what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the um, Tuchel. Yeah. Uh, I'm really, really torn on this. I, I don't really know what I think, to be honest, which I know is not why people are listening. They want some insights, so I'm going to try and deliver some. Uh, I... Uh, I think that changing the manager is not necessarily the magic bullet to success. I think that we've seen before with PSG, I think we were all a bit like when Laurent Blanc was manager, oh, we could do better than him. Like He's taken us as far as we could. We need a change. And then we ended up with Emery and made things worse. So I think you can't, you can't say that Tuchel does not have, is not a factor in us like reaching the Champions League and the Champions League final. And as a result of that, I don't think that you can sort of just write him off and say, all right, it's time to go, mate. At the same time, I don't think it's an ideal situation that we have a sporting director who is very opinionated and very powerful at the club and has a coach who he didn't pick and who he clearly doesn't see eye to eye with on transfers and I'd assume playing style. I mean, I don't know, but I think certainly in terms of the recruitment, you quite often see Leonardo saying stuff and then Tuchel in his press conference will say something different like, oh, I want to keep you promoting or, you know, maybe we should give Thiago Silva a new contract when clearly uh, Leonardo decided Silva's time was over. So I think in that respect, I can see, I can see the case for firing Tuchel, but I don't think that the options that are out there are necessarily going to make us that much better. And I think we have to be realistic about the sort of manager we're going to get as well with while well, we have Neymar and Mbappe in the squad because I think it would be nice to think that we'd get one of those managers who is who can impose themselves on the team and can play, get us a play in a very distinct style but I think typically when you have those big superstars in the team you usually need some kind of more of a sort of you know just a just a manager, a manager coach, someone who keeps the locker room ticking over more along the lines yeah. of like what what Zidane does that. Real Madrid where he's not particularly tactical nobody really he doesn't have a great style which he's trying to impose on football but he keeps that he kept that squad ticking over with Ronaldo and Bale and all those guys and won a load of Champions Leagues just through sort of keeping it happy and letting them do their thing and I kind of think that's what Tuchel tries to do with us I think he sets up the defense well and then he kind of lets Mbappe and Neymar do their thing and most of the time it works right so I think if you've got a manager in who's got a very distinct playing style and 
is going to give them a lot of instructions and overload them with information, then maybe they'd kick back against that and we wouldn't have such a harmonious squad. So I think on balance, I would like to keep Tuchel and give him a bit longer and see what he can do. Like once the team settles down a bit more, once the Champions League's back, see how we go. But I think I could see why if I was Leonardo that I might just push the button and try someone else, someone who I've appointed and my own man. But I think I think I would prefer us to stick with him for a bit longer and give him a bit more of a chance, even though I'm not, for the reasons you guys have said, I'm not 100% sold on him, but I think he's done enough to merit a bit longer. Yeah, all good points. And you, and you brought up Leonardo, and this is another thing I've seen from a minority on, on, on Twitter, but, you know, is Leonardo, is he on thin ice here? I mean, has he built the team? I mean, looking at it right now, we're talking about Mitchell Bacher starting at left back. I mean... Has he done enough to build this team to warrant the kind of godlike presence that he has in this club that a lot of supporters will put him up on this mantle and think that he's just the best sporting director ever? Like I, I kind of like him, but then when you really sit down and look at what he's done, has he built a good enough team to remain sporting director and get all the accolades that he receives from fans? Anyone? Mm, I mean, I mean that's that's a really yeah, it's a really difficult question. I think. The point is that Leonardo's probably not going anywhere because NASA's got other things on his plate, right? So I don't think he's going to be wanting to change sporting director at this point. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think that our transfer business has been a bit better since Leonardo's been back. So I think that that is a, I think that's probably a, you know, a positive from his point of view. I think the players we've signed the last, however many windows it is, three windows have typically been better Obviously, the obvious, you know, Neymar and Mbappe accepted uh, than the rest of the guys we signed while he was away. So I think that I think he has a clear idea of what he wants to do. I think that he's obviously well connected. And I think we probably I mean, you never know if you could do better. But again, I think it's a big risk if you get rid of him. We saw what happened last time when we went through like a load of clowns as sporting directors that that could easily happen again. So I think, again, I'm. Happy to trust him at the moment and uh, see see what he can do with uh, you know a few more windows and um, uh, again maybe his own coach. Yeah, I think um, you know we're going through this spurt of uh, this kind of downtrend, and yeah, I definitely heard you know Mark on on the other podcast you know mention you know, kind of rooting out the issue before it becomes, you know, something that is unbearable down the line. And I think there's something to be said about that. Um, you know, you just have to figure out what's best long-term. And, you know, just looking at the writing on the wall, uh, even without the issues that the club is currently facing, I go back to the question of asking myself, is this the person to get you over that hump of Champions League? Because this is what this is all about, right? Getting you over the like, we'll probably win the league. It's not for certain, and it looks bleak right now, but things have a tendency to balance themselves out the longer you play the game. But with that said, are you willing to roll the dice for one more season with this person, knowing what he is capable of, or do you say we need to start planning for the future, which may also include an Mbappe departure? We have to be realistic about that. We cannot keep both of these superstars on the same team. It is a luxury. 
And so we have to be realistic. When do we not necessarily abandon this Champions League hope, but start trying to prepare for a future without this global superstar, whether that is in Neymar or Mbappe or both? And how do we proceed in that in that vein? And who's going to be the person to shepherd those years when it might not be semifinal or finals glory? It might be quarterfinal, but you're building towards something that's a lot better than what we've seen when those superstars are not there. I think we need to consider and start to think about our team in the vein that Liverpool kind of thinks about their club and Bayern thinks about their club. It's just layers of depth. Like Thiago left Bayern and they got Leroy Sané. What the hell? That really happened. And it's just layers on layers of depth. But PSG don't have that. Why? We have to examine that. And Ed, to your point, I think there's something to be said about Leonardo getting that clean slate of being able to build his team his way. And that hasn't necessarily happened yet. You know, he doesn't have his manager there. He doesn't have all of the players that he would like for financial reasons and other. But when is he going to get the ability to just do things his way? And then we'll be able to judge his effectiveness. I think he's done a tremendous job, especially from a publicity and PR standpoint, just the way he conducts himself in interviews like that guy is sharp. So to that point, it's like one of these two factors is going to have to give. And if Nasser cannot give his full attention to the club like he was at the beginning of this project, Leonardo is the guy. And Tuchel is not his guy. And so something is going to have to give on that front. I, you know, I, I wish Tuchel the best. I think he's a great he's a great manager. I just don't know if he's the guy that's going to push us over the top. Yeah, and you, you can't also forget last season, the couple of dust-ups with Mbappe on the sideline. and It's all about, for me, I know Mbappe's going to leave eventually, but can we get him to extend maybe two more years? Um, maybe a new manager? You know, if Mbappe says, I want my dad manager, you know, like whatever it takes. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Yeah, to just get Mbappe to, to sign for a couple more years just to kind of keep us in, in contention for the yep. Champions League would be great. But I, I, I think I'm just, you have to show him a project he can believe in. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. And he may not love Tuchel. And if he expresses that and says, I'll sign for two years, but you got to bring in my guy. I like Pochettino. I like Arsene Wenger, whoever it is that's out there right now. You know, I said on the other podcast, why not go after Zidane? Make him an offer. Give him some percentage points on the uh, on PSG brand. Give him like Jordan clothes or whatever it takes. Like make him an offer. You know, yeah, that's what it takes. I mean, to be honest, like Barcelona already hate us, so we might as well get Real Madrid to hate us. I know we're sort of quite good friends with Real Madrid at the moment, and we we can, maybe it's time to end that friendship. And uh, yeah, yeah. But I think I think it's um I think it's also worth not getting to again like. Mbappe and Neymar seemed really happy with Tuchel when we were, you know, getting to the Champions League final like a few weeks ago. So I think it's important not to read too much into sort of, you know, every every little thing. Again, this is something with PSG that is always, it was like it before the money came in and I'm sure it will probably be like it forever. It's always a little bit, it's always been a sort of a bit of an FC Hollywood club where it's, it goes, fires from like, you know, triumph to disaster with no in-between. And I think... Um, I think that's something we just need to be careful of as supporters as well, not to get sucked into that sort of hype cycle. And very well said. So we're coming up on an hour. We're going to go ahead and go on and get out of here. But I wanted to ask you guys, has anyone seen the uh, Amazon video 
documentary about PSG? Not yet. I'm going to check it out, though. I mean, it's in French, right? But it'll probably be subtitles. I don't believe it's available here in the U.S., like Amazon. And I even tried to use a VPN, and I, I couldn't download it. But, Matt, any luck over there in the U.K. checking uh, it out? It's not, it's not on Amazon, because I saw that it came out the other day. It's not on Amazon UK at the moment, but I think it's... They said it was going to be on all the Amazons, so I think they all will be coming. So I'll be looking forward to seeing it with fairly low expectations of the sort of insight we'll get based on the sort of man city one and the spurs one which is i don't know if either of you have seen the spurs one uh with I, i've heard good of, things about it it's it's sort of some of it's entertaining but it's sort of quite stage managed as well and i think that we got there's some good there's some good like behind the scenes documentaries about football but they usually like with smaller clubs that are a bit more tin pot and usually the sort of big guys can manage it a bit better and make themselves look good so are you referring to the are you referring to like the leads don't they have a documentary uh the the best one is the sunderland one which i recommend if if no one's seen it sunderland till i die which is so good they are just absolute it's two series of wall-to-wall shambles football club in in the second season is that owner still the owner no there's a new one he's a new owner okay yeah there's a new one but the guy the chief executive in the first series is amazing like proper sort of like uh david brent style from the office like giving it all this sort of <laughs> chat and stuff and then it's just yeah. it's just banter from stuff he, start he was all about amazing. like making the music like as loud as possible in the stadium yeah 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 it was brilliant yeah. so that's a really good one hopefully our one will be good as well but i think it'll probably be a yeah probably a bit more of a polished effort than that sort of wouldn't uh, it be amazing if there was like a psg documentary that was kind of like the office and it was just ridiculous <laughs> oh my god i would pay any amount of money for something like that just the ridiculousness yeah. of it where they were all like where mbappe and neymar were just like picking on kazava all the time because he's like the stupid one like you know putting his stuff in in the bin or in the you know things yeah yeah it'd be great we should oh, definitely god. do that all right. Well, if you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at PSG Talk. Let me know who the Dwight Schrute of PSG is. Uh, James, how can people find you? I'm on Twitter at uh, it's underscore JCJ. So, know you love, know you hate. I'm there. <laughs> and Matt, how can people find you? Um, I'm on Twitter as well at PSG Tourist. Uh, come and yeah, say hello and uh, and chat about all things PSG and other stuff. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys. This is a good episode, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye.